Pizzle, pizzle, pizzle. The Black Tower Podcast. Josh Sorbon Mahil signing in. Hey, you there. Get in oh, line. Oh, we had you house trained so there'd be no more pizzle in the house. No more Get pizzle yourself. in the tower, sir. Conduct yourselves in a manner befitting a soldier dedicated to Rashomon of the Black Tower. Line up properly to receive your weekly dose of taint. Doses of taint will continue until morale improves. The taint will continue until morale improves. Now tonight, I have a special treat for myself <laughs> because I'll Sailor be Jerry's? my we my Sailor Jerry's in a wheel and chill stein. Shameless plug, a little bit of a plug. I don't care. They're pretty awesome. They're actually probably recording in about thirty minutes. Um, well, I think they, they do live, don't minutes. they? I don't know if they. I don't know if they do live. Yeah, they, they stream live. I think they do a live show. Pretty sure they do a live. Oh, show. there you go. Don't say. Don't say that right now. No, we only got like four people here. Stay yeah. here, guys. Yeah. Josh, we Just already kidding. got their money. It'll be fine. <laughs> true, true. true debt. True debt. So uh, hey, no, but for real, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Black Tower Podcast. It's it's another it's another day, another dollar, another dose of taint. Our uh, our Amit Khan Mahal Daniel is out waving the flag at some folks. So is out on uh, official uh, tower waving business. Waving the flag of our Lord. And Savior, the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. But as far as we know, he should be back next week. So, uh, yeah, wish him a safety or whatever you call it on his travels. He'll be fine. All that stuff. All the stuff. All the nice stuff that we're supposed to say because we're nice people. That we actually do mean. I'm just lazy as fuck. And I'm tired of shit. We're not nice people, but we do play nice people on YouTube. How about that? Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. I'm a, I, welcome, I'm a welcome, nice welcome. You need to go company. to. That's right. That's right. You need to go to blacktowerpod.com. Why? I'll tell you why. Blacktowerpod.com is the most amazing website in existence, and that's scientifically proven. Um, it has everything. Uh, Black Tower podcast necessary and it's just one of those things that you can't live without once you go there you're going to be like oh my gosh josh was right i can't live without this in my life yeah. oh and by the time this goes live uh like matt sager pointed out uh the wheel and show folks will have had uh, an interview with uh, kate reed uh, kate redding and michael kramer so hopefully that went well oh, that's i'm sure true. it did uh, because Kate and Michael are amazing, awesome, very kind folks, and Will and Joe are amazing, awesome, super kind folks as well. Um, so there's a theme there. Late congrats for the time this goes public a week and a half after. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we know mean, we said they're, it they're before. Gonna go, they're going to be like, why did we get a bump of so many viewers? And by so many viewers, I mean three viewers. <laughs> hey, a bump's a bump, man. You never know. Hey, that's right. Could be all it takes. Take a bump. Uh, speaking of all it takes, all it takes for you to get more of your favorite stuff from the Black Tower Podcast is blacktowerpod.com. 
Go there. Click the buttons. Do the things. And keep your eyes peeled for information That's about the said. Gathering Madness 2022. This is going to be a lot of fun. Damn. Some cool, there's some cool what stuff coming on the pipeline. Not to overly hype anything up. It's nothing like incredibly spectacular as far as like a secret reveal from Rafe or anything like that. So, yeah. So, that'd be cool. At least not yet. If there is anything like that, we don't know about it. So we'll find out the same time you do. Not yet. Yeah. Um, but the Gathering uh, Madness is happening. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Brad, it's, it's, a, it's a little early. The Stein must be super potent, man. I'm going to drink. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. I'm here. I promise. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. Yeah, dude. So at work, I don't want to get too far off topic, but at work, I finally started like, we've got in probably 60 computers. And the stupid thing is, is we've only got like 100 users on the network. Why do we have 60 computers? I don't know, but we're supposed to refresh. We're supposed to do refreshes on all these computers, which is take the old one, give them a new one. I've been messaging people for two to three months right now. So today what I did was I just went, I went to the distro lists and I went all employees. <laughs> and I said, if you have a desktop computer, you are wrong. I will be turning it off by the end of the week if you don't get with me. And I got like 12 emails at the end of the day. How weird is that? I'll trade you. Oh, my my brains are a bit scrambled. Let's, right. uh, let's see. There's 953 tickets. Subtract 33 from that. Oof. That's what, 920? Because there's 33 Oof. seats that uh, I don't know exactly where they're at, but we have canceled tickets for them. So there's 920 seats I have right now that I know exactly, well, roughly where they are, that we have to go clear BIOS passwords and pull hard drives out of for them to be shipped back. Because uh, they are the old machines of Tech Refresh. Um, and then at some point in between now and fucking March, um, the guys that manage the assets are supposed to be getting in a thousand new seats for Tech Refreshes. I would... Uh, I mean, well, we probably wouldn't have, like, we'd probably have, like, just me and one network tech if uh, if we only had 100 people on the network. Oh, man. Good times. Yeah. Good times. So that's why my brains are scrambled. But the Gathering Madness is coming up. It's going to be awesome. You want to be there. It's going to be in Los Angeles this year. Um you want to gather that madness. You need to gather that madness. You want to gather with I us. I have neither the time nor the inclination to to <laughs> explain the taint to the man who rises and falls under the blanket of madness I provide and then has the nerve to question the manner in which I provide it. I want Sidene! <laughs> you can't handle Sidene. There it is! <laughs> Did you order the cleansing... You're goddamn right I did. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Tower. This is what you would expect from us. Now, before we get in 
Name that movie. If you can't name the movie, you owe us ten bucks. Crunch the. That's right. That's a fact. Um, before we get into this, before we crack the bone and suck the marrow, so sweet, blood, so sweet. We need you to get protected, don't we, Andrew? Oh yeah, and I gotta because... change which spoiler warning I had planned to use because I don't want to use the one. <laughs> it talks about Daniel when he's not here. Um, so you did use, use Gilbert. I like Gilbert. Yeah, let's do Gilbert. The Good following Gilbert. show contains spoiler for the entire Wheel of Time series. If you have not finished the series, you are at risk of being spoiled. You have been warned. What does this even mean? <laughs> you know, he was one of the good ones. Moment yeah. of silence there for for Gilbert G. For the GSWGGs. Word. Word, word. Okay, so, now that you're protected... So speaking of GG... G... Gee, gangster, gangster. We're going to talk, talk about some folks in some good game. That good game comes in the form of being battle-trained, battle-tested, battle-hardened, and battle-tainted. What are we talking about today, Josh? We're going to talk about Black Tower Battle Tactics. Now... I'm supremely excited for this one um, for a number of reasons. One, we're going to start off with, you know, basically it's like episode one. The first time the Black Tower enters combat, which we all know is the greatest scene in the Wheel of Time series, Demise Wells. Um, and then we're going to talk about how those formations have evolved how they've been refined a little bit um in uh like the battle of maradon under rodel Adiralde. Uh, things are a little different there as well so we're talking about the tactics of, of specifically male channelers used in these different battles because as we know the male channelers don't have the same restrictions or limitations as the their uh, female counterparts in the white tower um, and then uh, if time allows us, because this is a subject that Andrew and I can wax very long upon, uh, if we have some time, maybe we could talk about some, uh, some future uh, refinements and future battle formations, find out what's going on. Maybe like a, I, I'd like to discuss like an Ashaman version, like a channeling version of a, like an, of, of a Black Tower phalanx. Like a Spartan, hmm. Spartan phalanx, but just amped all the way up with Sidene. Huh? That'd be badass. Hey, no, I, as hell. I like the idea. I don't think they do it, but it would look really cool. I mean, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. The the tactics probably evolve well to to a point where such battle formations are entirely obsolete. But Let's I mean, you talk still have the formations, but I don't. Um, I don't see the phalanx as we think of it, like the the Spartan phalanx being utilized. Because the Spart what made the Spartan phalanx so effective 
was the amount of coverage that each person offered the person next to them because they had to use a physical mm-hmm. shield. Whenever you can all channel right. and just create massive walls of air to protect you from apparently everything, you but don't really need a phalanx. What would a what would an Ashaman phalanx look okay, like? Okay, I got you. Obviously, they would not be standing shoulder to shoulder, packed in real tight, leaning on each other for strength and rigidity, while mm-hmm. the second a rank, you know, throw lunges, spears, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be interesting to see maybe, you know, if you can do a, a solid wall of air five feet wide, maybe they've got them positioned, you know, arm's length, doom, 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 wall of air, second rank, second wall of air up top, and then a third rank lobbing fireballs that'd be badass fourth or rank, you just do the ultimate defense or no, and third get a rank bunch. underneath mm-hmm. with with like earth attacks and then a fourth rank with the uh mm-hmm. the fireballs yeah i mean the earth attacks would be like i i, I always see the, the earth attacks earth-based attacks as their greatest vulnerability because for everything else that's launched at you whether it's cannonballs whether it's uh ballista lightning, uh, anything that can be launched at you, that comes at you, just open a gateway. It'll either unravel on contact or it'll go through and you can just redirect it back at them. I mean, it's the thing that we always wanted Wong or anybody from uh, the Doctor Strange side of the universe in Marvel to do, and then finally Wong does it in uh, uh, Shang-Chi and the... Shang-Chi. Good callback. I love, I love how he's even talking shit too after in the locker room. He's like, see, that's why you don't. Now you'll think twice before punching me with full force. I told you to pull your punches. Yeah. I mean, what's also hilarious is the fact that at the time Wong is fighting in this arena, he's also the Sorcerer Supreme. The Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, the Sorcerer Supreme just pops over to, you know, fighting rings for the weekend. Yeah. I could be very wrong about that. Somebody will correct me in the comments or in the live chat eventually. No, I'm I'm pretty sure you're right. I think I think that's uh, I think that's exactly what he is. Oh yeah, because they do address the blip. Um, um, his friend Katie or whatever yeah. her name is, she talks about it. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, we're not talking about the so, blip. That's right. We're talking about the Black Tower. So the first iteration of the Black Tower. Actually, you know, it's kind of funny that we talk about the Spartan uh, phalanx because they've actually got pretty similar to a Spartan phalanx at the Battle of Demise Wells. Um, they have to storm the beach, right? They have to establish a foothold. They have to get a beachhead. They open up uh, gateways. They come pouring through the gateways, basically causing chaos and destruction and death, fire and blood and explosions, and it's great. Um, once enough of them get into the area, they're able to raise a shield, a dome over the entire area um, to establish a means of regrouping, right? Yeah. Once they're able to do that, you know, there are scenes where there are Ashaman holding the shield and, you know, all the other Ashaman are, you know, pouring out of the gateways 
they're able to establish that Rand is out of the box. <laughs> he came out. Hey, everybody, I'm the dragon. And, uh, and he's like, Taim, I want you to take these fools to school. And so Taim gets up there and says, Ashaman form ranks. They all line up. Very militaristic, very rank and file. And then he says, Ashaman kill. And what happens is, it's interesting because I didn't think about this till just now is the phalanx that I was describing would work well against infantry if it were just infantry. In this particular case, they've got shielding over the top of them, mostly to protect them from siege weapons and other channelers. So when Taim gives the order Ashaman kill, they lift the wall of air just enough for Aiel to come running in and then they just <clears throat> head exploding and rolling ring of earth and fire and they just destroy these guys they just decimate the hell out of every last Shido that has any kind of idiot notion of glory against the black tower come on get out of here what's well, that kind of age-old military joke of like oh we're surrounded good then we can fire in every direction you know it's like oh we're surrounded right. well, on the upside we don't have to worry about accidentally you know shooting towards our own guys not entirely the case here <laughs> but but yeah i mean now like whenever they start coming out of the gateway i definitely envision it a lot like that first the so when you've watched the movie 300 obviously and a lot of people have though it's at the uh Though it's very theatrical and it's exaggerated in, in many ways, um, their first clash with the Persian military, once they finally get pushed back and they hold, I'm like, from that point forward, it, the Battle of Demise Wells with the arrival of the Ashman to me seems very similar. Because what the Spartans do is they surge forward, shove, and then stab to create room and then advance. And that's what the Ashman do as they pour out of the gateways. They they take and they surge forward with an attack yeah. yeah they they destroy a line of enemy and they advance the wall of air essentially and they just keep doing this until they've created right. what their training tells them is a wide enough berth to allow them to pretty much sit there and just talk until somebody decides what they want to do because at that point they're, that, they're so well protected establishing because there's, what, 200 yes. Ashaman that come through? couple hundred, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, so I think it's about 200. A minimal number of them holding this shield, maybe a dozen at best with how much ground mm. they have to cover. Um, especially taking into account how many of these guys have talents for shields. Because you better believe Taim was smart enough to be like, you've got a talent for shields. I need you on shield duty. So you're going to be, you know, the third guy through the portal. I want the first two guys who are really talented with, you know, fire and head explosions to go yeah. through there and then, you know, whatever. So they, they have this, this, this clearing established where they're, and that's what I was saying, where they're able to regroup. There's no immediate threat. There's no immediate danger. And everybody's will able to, kill what remaining Shido exist within the dome, gather their weapons, sit down for a minute, 
catch their breath. And even when Taim gives the order, Ashaman kill, like the rest of the military presence there just kind of goes like, okay, like, well, it looks like they've got it under control. We're going to stand here and see if they need us. Yeah. Well, because... I don't think anybody else joins in the fray. Uh, debatable. Um, because when this whole thing starts off, you got this kind of quintessential, like, uh, old western, tele, old westerner, westerns television. Uh, you know, the old black and white uh, television shows like Zorro and uh, the Lone Ranger and all this kind of stuff, where every time any group of like, you know, more American settlers were getting attacked by uh, Native Americans, they would cir- encircle the wagons as protection. Uh, which is exactly what the Aes Sedai and, uh, and the younglings and all try to do, because they're like, well, we ain't got shit else, so let's just use what we can. Um, but uh, what I think stands out some of, the, some of the most is this isn't just like a theoretical thing that Mazarin Time has taught or, or preached about. The way this is executed has every hallmark of a tried and tested um, practice battle tactic. Um, they ran drills, and I definitely believe that Mazram Taim had himself and other Ashman hurling lethal attacks at the Ashman being trained and forced to hold a dome of air to protect themselves. And he's like, because this yes. definitely, you know, Taim's, Taim's mentality, and it's also the order basically from Rand, make weapons. And Taim's like, look, you sink or you swim. He is definitely the dad that throws you in the water to learn to swim, but it's not just the water. It's the deepest <laughs> section he can find in the Arctic, and you better swim for a while. So, I mean, yes. this, this takes precision. And at you while you try to swim. Uh, yeah, I mean, this takes pers- per, uh, precision because it's got to be a strong enough weave uh, amongst all of those holding the Dome of Air to where nobody can push through it, nobody can collapse. Because you don't just have, like, a couple people pushing on uh, this this wall of air. You don't just have a couple people stabbing at it. You literally have tens of thousands uh, of people worth of pressure yes. pushing against it. And it doesn't budge, it doesn't falter, it doesn't shimmer, it doesn't shake or anything. Um, and they're pushing against it so hard that whenever they do lift up uh, this dome of air for the Shido IL to charge inside to their own slaughter... Um, the moment that it lifts up, it does a lot, like, again, with the Spartans, where they would, you know, shove and it would stun the enemy and they would be vulnerable to attack. Right. And that's what happened right. to the first one or two lines of Shido. As soon as the wall lifted up enough, because um, everybody ignored the fucking massive indication, hey, they're about to counterattack, you know. <laughs> oh, let's raise a banner through the central hole in the, uh, in the Dome of Air. Oh, look at all the lightning dancing across it. It's yep. incredible. I mean, now I can't wait to see it. Hopefully, hopefully it looks good on TV, but yeah, no, it's impressive just how how I don't what am I trying to say? Like not formulaically, but by the numbers, this tactic was executed. I think I think that that's one of the things that sets this scene so well is how well Robert Jordan wrote it, right? So they're coming through the gateways. They're using individual attacks, 
individual killing mechanisms, individual killing methods. And you've got Ashiman jumping out, exploding heads, stabbing with swords, punching with fists, and just, it's the special forces on crack. They run out, they establish this foothold, they establish a safe place underneath a wall of air. And that's when they're able to launch their squad attacks, which are absolutely devastating um, to the Shido forces. And it... Who needs surprise to set up ambush? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and so, and then when you talk about there was obviously drilling and training, I mean, what does everybody say in, in you know, or what does at least Matt Cawthon say when it comes to battle plans? The battle plans are only as good until the first arrow is fired. And then he says, from there, you just got to be able to read the field and you got to be able to move and you got to be flexible. And you got not so with the Black Tower. They came in like a massive cudgel and a, a well disciplined and precise cudgel, which is terrifying they filed in they immediately established a foothold they immediately lined up in different ranks they immediately were prepared to launch a squad like a squad attack working in perfect conjunction with each other and as soon as oh. Taim gave the think about the order that he gave to Ashaman kill that was the order he gave they all knew exactly what to do, and they all executed it perfectly. So, yes, I know Taim's a bad guy, but that does not mean he is a bad guy. He is responsible for building the Black Tower up from nothing and teaching those men how to organize. Because, as we know, the lessons weren't just about Saidin. They were also about organization, drilling, procedure, combat tactics. Like, there was a whole thing involved in becoming an Ashaman. And not all Ashaman were under the control of Master of Taim. Something else to think about, um, talking about, like, with uh, with what Matt said about battles and, and plans, is there's something that the Ashaman can do that, until he has Chandlers in his own ranks of sufficient number, Matt honestly can never hope to do. Um, what makes Matt such an effective leader is he has the knowledge and the instincts to, to instantly react to a changing battle space. So he staves right. off the, the worst possible outcomes and he responds in, you know, what could be considered an optimal way. But he doesn't have the power to force the battle space to be exactly what he wants. The right. Ashaman do. Oh, we want a place where we can just stand here and talk? Bam. Dome of air. We're completely safe. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this instance, because there's there's still we can like, organize. Yeah, there's lightning raining down around them, and it's it's glancing off of this dome of air, and it's hitting the Shai Do themselves. So the wise ones stop, because yeah. they're like, we're just killing our own people. And, well, and of course, Ivana yeah. gets pissed, but... Um, <laughs> Cause she but I mean, they're not the only people that kill their own, uh, their own, well, people right. you know, on the same side as them. 
but I can't imagine because there's there's one thing to be trained in a battle tactic. Uh, like uh, the military can train you all day long on what it's like to go into combat, but they can never teach you what it's oh, like sure. to be in combat. So I can't imagine what yes. grueling training these Ashaman had to go through to where they literally started exploding people. And none of you, them we don't we don't hear anything about any of them faltering, puking, being revolt like revolted by what they've done, or even reacting. Um I mean right. it's it's almost like they were turned into the perfect killing machines, the perfect weapons of war, and just desensitized they, to it. And I'm like, how did how did Taim do that? So I I'll tell I'll tell you exactly how he did it. I know exactly how he did it. Okay, there's there's two two philosophies of going into battle that you need to understand. Now, I'll use the analogy of learning to ride a bike. You can read 25 books on how to ride a bike. You can understand the theory. You can understand the principle. You can understand the technique from a book sense. You can have it all up in here. And then the first time you go to ride a bike, you will fall. Absolutely 100%. Because there are things that you need to experience and receive that sort of haptic feedback upon that bike in order to understand or apply, would be a good way to put it, that knowledge that you have absorbed in that book. Now, is someone who read theory and understands theory, are they going to learn to ride a bike faster? Then someone who has absolutely no idea about the theory or the technique or anything? Absolutely. A hundred percent. You can't like someone who already understands basic principles and has basic understanding of what they're attempting to accomplish is going to have that much more leverage over someone who has absolutely no idea what they're doing. It's why Aiel were so much more accomplished fighters. They'd spent that much more time understanding war and tactics and a lot of theory well as a lot of practice you've got soldiers on in in our in randland that have a lot of practice but they don't have nearly the depth of battle theory or battle tactics understanding that i yield to okay so there's one method ashaman soldiers and dedicated to the black tower are very very well versed in theory tactics, what battle is, what is going to be expected of them, et cetera, et cetera. The other thing that is, the other tool that is used to sort of desensitize them to that violence, I'm going to say is twofold. One, you've got exposure to cadavers and corpses by way of the hang, the, the traitor's tree, right? Because if you run, if you leave, if you desert, they cut your head off, they hang it from the tree, and everybody has to look at the trader's tree every day. So there's people with friends there, probably people with family there. And even if you don't know anybody there, you'd be, oh no, there's Melanie. <laughs> That's a shame. She was really nice. <laughs> even if you have no idea who that dude is that's heads hanging up on the tree, you're still looking at a disembodied head hanging on a tree. And you see that and you sort of become fine with it in your day-to-day. -day. Then you have 
men who are taken by the taint, taken by the madness. They get to a point where it's like, yeah, no, you got to go, buddy. I can't believe that there's one person administering special wine. I I would I would believe that even with tame, he gets more probably more grizzly in that, and probably as execution squats, almost like Matt's red arms. This is a guess. This is totally a guess. But I almost imagine that Taim has like red arms at the Black Tower. That's like watching people getting, you know, I don't want you getting too insane. If you get too crazy, and I would even I would even be willing to venture a guess to say that Taim would not mess with this process because even he needs to reap soldiers and recruits from the Black Tower. So I imagine he takes monitoring of the taint and the madness quite seriously. Um, so when you see people, you know, dying around you every day in training, burning out in training, heads hanging from a tree, like the Black Tower is not a friendly place for soldiers dedicated in Ashaman. So I would imagine, and I would even imagine that uh, Robert Jordan took a lot of his inspiration for training at the Black Tower early on from you know, more extreme groups like, you know, the Russian Spetsnaz special forces kind of a thing um, mm. where death and chaos become a part of your normal day-to-day -day routine. So when you show up, you know exactly what you're about to do to these people. You're about to hurt these people. And that's just all there. That's just part of your daily routine. There is a third way. And it is third way you say, sir. It's a third way to completely desensitize um, a war fighting or battle waging population to carnage and death of war. And you have to absolutely unequivocally dehumanize the opponent. You have to have your forces convinced that they're not human, that they are not <laughs> the same species, the same level as the war fighters you have. Um, this is a this yep. is a, a technique that I don't know how many people realize that I think a lot of people realize it, but there's probably a lot of people that don't. This is like one of the most popular techniques used by world militaries today. Because uh, when when we were sending troops into Iraq and Afghanistan, we were saying oh, we're going to go fight the bad guys, the bad people. Is we're going to go deal with terrorists. Yeah. We're going to go deal with insurgents. We're going to go you know deal with this or that. That's a really other good phrases that that distance them from the aspect of humanity because a warfighter that begins to humanize their enemy becomes predisposed to mercy towards enemy. This was one of the lessons learned in Vietnam. Uh, I think the statistic was like something like seventy to eighty percent of troops shot over the heads of enemy troops in Vietnam whenever they yep. fired and engaged. It was it was a crazy high number. It was it was one of it was one of the most frustrating things from a military standpoint mm -hmm. because they were over there. I'm sorry. Look, look, I get it. It's a distasteful subject a lot of times. But military forces around the world, it's their job to fight and kill. That That, that is simply what their job is. And it's not, not to say that it's right or wrong. Uh, I believe in some cases it's very right, and I believe in some cases it's very wrong. But as Andrew 
Peter is pointing out here, when you go over there and you start to say, that's a dude, he just wants to go home to his family, it becomes that much more difficult to end that person's life. And rightfully so, because we're empathetic human beings. You know, we're we're all human we're beings. We're social creatures. And that's why these kinds of subjects are so difficult. Yeah. Um, so no, you're, you're absolutely right. And you even, you even talk about that in, you can look to that in past times, you know, most forms of oppression, most forms of, you know, violence done towards a demographic, we were only able, we as humanity, were only able to sleep at night after committing such atrocities because we believed somehow that we were morally correct in doing so because we had dehumanized that group in 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 some way it still happens now it still happens every day you turn on the news and yeah. in this you can watch it happening um yep and it's just by the use of, of labels of inherently morally abhorrent categorizations that will passively, actively, but passive, actively because it's active, an active process to do it, but passive right. because most people that are doing it don't realize that that's what's happening and that's what's being done. Or that's why it's, they're doing it. Yeah. Um, it separates whatever the group is, for whatever reason, for whatever, from their humanity. Um, and that's how you justify forcing populations uh either to do or be subjected to uh, absolutely horrendous things. And um, I mean, that's part of what made Spartan warrior society so efficient and effective. Like they were relatively ruthless with their warriors. The training was ruthless. You know, the throwing of the deformed children over a cliff, that's not necessarily exaggerated. uh, Not just deformed, uh, sickly or small if they were too yeah. small yeah if there was anything that caused like them to raise an eyebrow about how fit the child was over the cliff um the sending of young boys out into the wilderness in all kinds of austere conditions you know to come back or don't um it's a uh, yeah it's it's a wild world um and it, like I know they probably said it to you when you, you know, went to basic. They said it to me when I went to basic. And they're like, you are here so that we can break you down and build you back up again. They don't say build you back to do what we need you to do, to build you back to be a warfighter. They always say yeah. to build you back yeah. better than the worthless civilian you were when you got here. <laughs> they're phrasing, not mine. Yep. I, don't, I don't believe that civilians are worthless. Because uh, I, I kind of am one now. Um, but again, it's that it's separation, great. right? They want, they even even within our own society, uh, the military wants, like, either either actively or passively, separates military members from civilians. You know, I would even say, so your, your original point is to dehumanize the enemy. I would even go a step further and oh, say yeah, I was making a point. to dehumanize yeah. yourself. Oh yeah, that that's right. That wasn't a tangent. We were actually on topic. Um, yeah. It just seemed like a tangent. But but even Rand, 
when he forms the Black Tower, basically says, hey, look, we're all on a timeline. We're all on a clock here. We're all of us going to go mad and we're all going to die. Taim, I don't need men. I need weapons. And so I, okay, so uh, Rafe um, and uh, Sarah, I know you guys watch regularly. Um, <laughs> one of these days I'm going to get in trouble for making that joke. <laughs> like Rafe's going to yeah. comment and be like, this is the first episode I tuned in. You guys are jerks. <laughs> But I'm just saying, when you get to... You'll remember today the is the day that we were almost canceled by When Reef. you need... That's right. When you need drill instructors for the Black Tower, I'm just saying. All right? We, we got this down. We, we got this. We can do this. Just you just that would actually be incredibly cool. I'm not gonna lie. Right? I mean, tell me about it. That's that's what I'm manifesting that right now. Okay. I just, just want to be in the background. with me. I just want to be in the background, just like <laughs> knife handing Dammer Flynn. Just what the fuck, Flynn? What happened to the space in between in your fucking ears? Blood and ashes. Are you trying to accomplish with that weave there, dedicated? Um, but no, but but uh, where I was going with that was dehumanizing the self, removing the self out of it. Taim, I'm sure, spent a long time drilling it into their heads. You are a male channeler. You are the scum of the earth. You are everything that is wrong with this world. So the best thing you can do with your small patch of miserable existence is to serve the dragon before you. You die in battle or go insane, and you better pray to the light that you die in battle. That's the speech right there. Rafe, you can borrow that. Well, we want it back. More specifically, Josh wants it back. <laughs> so long as I can say it. <laughs> no, it, it only plays during the first airing of that episode, and then it gets edited out every other one. It's like, it's like in the premiere... Season four premiere, you know, and it's the Black Tower, and it's like only used in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't give it back and like show up on his trailer, knocking on his door, being like, We're here to repossess the speech. You know what she <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah. But yeah. I love it. Um, anyway, tactics. <laughs> We're, we always dealt with them, you know, and I oh, love doing it. We dealt with like the morality and mentality. I mean, which. I mean, you kind of have to understand to understand how the tactics work. Well, yeah, yeah. If um, they're not the tactics as good as they are, cannot be effective if the mm -hmm. people executing them are not up to the task. Is that a good way yeah. of saying it? I think so. Yeah, no, I think it is. Um, so another another important point of note is their formations and their tactics uh, encompass inherently a massive amount of spatial awareness. Um, or as as the when I went to training, they call it situational awareness. Keep your head on a swivel. Um, to the point where like people would sneak up on you and everybody would make fun of you, be like, oh, basic situational awareness. Oh, 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 oh it's me, oh, I snuck up <laughs> on you. Bastards. But right? this is what they do. Like, do those they... drills in the middle of the night come and oh, wake yeah. you up. 
situational awareness. What the fuck, dude? I was asleep. <laughs> You're supposed to be guarding me. You're the one on duty. <laughs> or you just shit your pants and be like, same to you. Right? I heard that one coming. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Surprised they didn't call me the skunk. We're not basic. That was my defense tactic. Podcast. We'll be up in the middle of the night. I would try my best to just shit my pants. Like, we're all going to suffer for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. One body, yeah. one mind, one soul, one goal, baby. And a lung full of methane. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. When, um, so when they take out their the formations, everything that they take place in. Uh, the next. Well, I was just saying, like, because they they form a circle around the entire encampment, so they can watch in all directions and they can react to threats as they come up. Um, which is three sixty. That's that's one of the most basic uh, military formations. A helicopter lands, yeah. and a bunch of dudes with guns get out. All right, well, pew pew. Sorry, fucking you. Cover. Yeah, three and they three six. Yeah, yeah. You can't say yeah. the G word. Edit that out. Yeah, we don't want to get canceled. Uh, I'll probably leave it in. We're not monetized anyway, so who cares? Oh, that's um, good. Point. Yeah. We don't have a thousand followers yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. So the next. Uh, so Demise Wells was the first field test. Um, next is they were used to push the Sean Chan out of Ilion and Path of Daggers. That's right. Yeah. And this is this is actually where they're first like really tested it because it's not a surprise to the enemy. The enemy has fought against other channelers numerous times. They they're fair. Now the fact that most of the Demane are using, you know, well, all the Demane are using uh, Sidar and they're fighting against Sidin and they can't see the weaves gives them... It's like slap fighting a, a ghost. Edge. But with the and, knives. But at the same time, they're also familiar with fighting other channelers. So they're, they're like, okay, cool. They're going to throw weaves at us. We need to, and this is this is actually one of the things that Robert Jordan is never really clear upon because you've got that beautiful exchange between Pavara and Andral where they're kind of like sparring. They're like lovers sparring, lovers quarrel sparring, and then they like fall into each other's arms. And Andral's like, "Are you as turned on as I am right now?" And Pavara goes, "What?" And he goes, "What?" But it talks. Talks about how she's able to cut down weaves of other Ashaman who come in who are under Taim's control. How is she just really good at anticipating where they're going to attack from? I would have to imagine that would be the case. Um, the Sean Chan coming in have highly skilled, highly trained Damane, essentially very efficient weapons of mass destruction um very effective weapons of mass destruction and you've got the ashaman of the black tower who at this in time are really untrained unrefined in their battle tactics at demise wells it worked because you had trainers going or channelers 
going up against non-channelers. You had surprise, as Admiral Yamamoto says, one of the most important things in the battlefield. Um, do might as well as change the world. That was the first time that channelers fought channelers, basically, um, in, in recent memory in the timeline. And now you've got Black Tower versus Sean Chan. Highly trained Sean Chan, raw power, non-refined Black Tower Ashamon. And it doesn't really go too well for the Ashamon. <laughs> I mean, they get their punches in, but it it it, it ain't no demise wells. And they're they're humbled very quickly. And they're given a lesson of you need to refine your tactics. This whole show up in force and bludgeon them isn't going to work against people who know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, because this device Wells is over and once the Oshman showed up, it, you know, it was over in, uh, let's say, a matter of 10 minutes. Let's just give it 10 minutes. And that's being generous i think i don't think it took 10 minutes i think it took like five from the command of ashaman kill uh, i don't know i think from their arrival but it's, oh, okay. it's not that big of a difference but um <laughs> in contrast this this battle here in um in ilian last five fucking days this is five straight yeah. days of battle. Um, That's a so this this is where the Ashaman, yeah, they, this is where the Ashaman get tested and like they've already they've already been tested in their in their battle ability. Now they have to be tested in their war fighting ability because wars are comprised of continuous battle. Um, yeah, sometimes the battles ten minutes, sometimes the battles ten fucking weeks or longer. Just ask Manetha. Is very oh, well wait, you can't. Um. It's not there. Weepful the blood of Amen. Crapulmanetherin. But yeah, so yeah. By the end of it, like they're they're having to deal with prisoners now, and they have a mix of. Uh, of regular foot soldiers and, and different forms of, of regular fighting uh, troops. But then they also have like 23 uh, Soldom and two Damane. Uh, I think this is also like well, where we first get the like whole like, hey, like uh, fucking um, what is it? Arlen and the Lom is like, ah, side Dean feels kind of weird, bruh. Rand's like, it always feels yes. weird. What the fuck you on about? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was no, that was uh, that was one of the Forsaken, wasn't it? He, he was disguised as an Ashaman at the time, and he approaches Rand and is like, "Dude, Sidine is not okay." And the reason he was brave enough to say it to Rand is because he knows how Sidine's supposed to feel. Um, and it was shortly after Narishma had brought. Calendor to Rand, and I believe the situation there was that Rand's will as the most powerful Tavirin ever combined with the taint 
combined with the uh, flaw in Kalendor created a sort of wantonness strangeness you're, you're thinking about the Shiva the Shiva is the second to mention it to Rand yes. and it's the Shiva that actually because it's already been mentioned and Rand is like kind of like ah oh, just whatever but the Shiva actually kind of forces Rand to look at a weave and Rand's like huh yeah something do be looking a little fucky <laughs> Because this is whenever, like, yeah, literally think, everybody, well, not everybody, Bashir, you know, the one guy that has, oh, I don't know, war fighting and campaign experience is like, well, you know, we should be happy that we drove them out of Alien. You know, let's let's leave it at this. Let's regroup, rest, and all that kind of shit. And Rand kind of, like, in one of the, the few times, especially mid to late book series, um, that we see Rand cave to the will of, like, High Lords kind of agrees with the High Lords on this one. It's like, you know what? I could destroy the Shan Chan now. Let's go do that. And uh, not the move. It was <laughs> kind of not the play there, boss. Well, and Rand is, is sort of in the same kind of position, right? Where he's going, I've got lessons to learn. He doesn't know he has lessons to learn. He He's kind of on a high right now. The Black Tower shows up and they're like, boom, we got this. They're able to, you're, you're correct, they're able to push Sean Chan out of Ilian. But it's not enough, obviously, for Rand. And he goes nuts with Kalendor. But from a Black Tower perspective, from an Ashaman perspective, they kind of go, okay, that was a lot harder than it should have been. Um, we need to evaluate what tactics we use. I can't even recall specific tactics used by Ashaman at that battle. At which one? I, all, all, it, well, all, it, when they were driving the Shan Chan out of Ilian. The, what I can remember from it is that they tried to do a lot of things with the power and a lot of their weaves were cut by Demane and the Demane were launching attacks of their own and they were like, we've never fought channelers before. This is weird. Mm -hmm. How do we do this? Um, because Demane were well-versed in fighting channelers. Yeah. It, um... it goes back to my it goes back to my topic earlier about understanding the theory of a thing versus understanding the the practice of a thing Demane understood the theory of fighting channelers the black tower did not so when the two met yeah they're both on quote quote equal footing because neither one of them have fought against the opposite uh, uh, power, Sidar and Sidine. Neither one of them have fought against the other side of the, the power, but the Damani had the advantage of saying we've fought against other channelers before. We understand the theory of it. We understand the practice of it. We're going to have a much bigger advantage in this conflict than someone who has absolutely no idea what it's like to fight against another channeler. Yeah. Um, 
I don't I don't know. Like I don't know. It's it's interesting because because this is the this is the battle where like you know Ran starts killing his own troops with Kalendor. Um, yeah, he he goes he kind of goes nuts. Well, he, which is he gets fully engrossed in. The, he's so far convinced that they can win, and not just that they can win, that they must win here and now. That uh, he does just like he did in the Stone of Tear, uh, whenever he tried to revive the you know the dead, whatever means necessary. I'm here. I'm enough. I'm I can make anything happen, especially with Kalendor. And up until this point, Rand still believed if he right. if he was wielding Kalendor, then he could do anything in the world. And it just simply isn't true. Now, you do kind of have the side effect right. that, yeah, the, the Sean Chan are handedly defeated here. Um, they're right. They're like, we've got to fucking get out of here. We, like, there's nothing left. For, we don't have enough forces to hold Ebudar anymore. Um because I believe they get pushed from Ilian into Ebudar. Yeah. Or at least into the area around Ebudar. Um, so is he successful? Yeah, but it kind of depends on your metric for success. Um, could he have just stopped after driving them out of Ilian and regrouped and, you know, let his forces that have been fighting for five days rest? Uh, yeah. But I think what came away from it was you did get that serious battle experience. You now have Ashaman that have an idea and can conceptualize fighting against other Chandlers, especially Chandlers who they can't see the weaves of, uh, which is invaluable experience, who also now have a better understanding for battle fatigue and what it really feels like to be forced to fight for so long that like you feel like you're going to drop any yes. second. But if you do, you yes. all die. Um, but I think this also starts to show... Uh, a lot of people like how you have to watch the orders uh, that you're given. Uh, that ambition and hubris uh, and arrogance uh, destroy your tactics. It doesn't matter how good of a plan you have if everybody's too fucking tired to do it. Um, and Rand thinks he's enough to overcome that, and it's just not that. And that's what you get like a, a single person tactics. Well, you know, versus. You know, the experts yeah. sitting there being like, yeah, no, we shouldn't do this. Well, so you've got a couple of things have happened at this point in time, right? Um, one, Rand has had a sword master, blade master, a heron mark, tried and true and tested blade master at the Black Tower, training soldiers and dedicated to become blade masters. So in theory, all Ashaman our blade masters, or they should be. Taim has sent this person away, and Rand has been like, you go find him and get him back here. Because after Demise Wells, Rand learned a very important lesson about knowing how to fight when the power is not available to you. Um, after, after this confrontation with Sean Chan, what do we get? We get uh, a moth. Get out of here. Sorry. Get a moth? <laughs> After this confrontation with Sean Chen, I've got a month just like blah, blah, blah. after this confrontation with Sean Chen, we get the Black Tower and Rand kind of going, okay, we need to know how to fight a prolonged battle. We need to know how to maintain 
our fighting capabilities effectively without without overtaxing our people. Um, eventually, Rand, you know, has his revelation. He turns from Darth Rand to Bodhisattva Rand. And one of the things he really, really, really understands, or at least comes to understand, is that I need I need men. I need people. I can't do this without that that human connection, without that thing that makes people people, right? Mm. And it's after this that he starts telling he, he I think he tells Taim even he's like no I was wrong you need to tell people I was wrong we need people to 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 have something to fight for we need to have something to live for um but it's shortly after this now is when we get to the first kind of presence at like Maradon right um, no, I think the next is when they, oh, well, it's not, they, they fight, but, uh, so you hit a point where, uh, where we're in, uh, Knife of, Knife of Dreams, uh, chapter 18, where about half of the Black Tower is in Ilian and the other, about the other half is in Eridamon, um, with a small contingent, uh, I think, I think Taim. And a few others are in tier. Either Taim or Logain uh, that's in tier. I can't remember which one. Um, this time, sorry. But this is more of like a uh, a policing mission, like a UN peacekeeper mission kind of deal. Right, right, right. Um, but because it's like go in uh, because people are exploiting, they're committing other atrocities and crimes. Um. And of course, the Shanchan are always a looming threat. But, um, but after this kind of like police action is when what remains essentially of the tower uh, does fall under kind of Rodel Zarate and goes to Southern to help fight against the Trollocs. Yeah, well, he's he's actively recruited by Rand, who promises him uh, channelers to help do the thing and he he rand recruits him while he's in the throes of his darth rand phase his emo phase his toby mcguire venom phase and rodell i strongly suspect that rodell agrees to go largely because of rand's tavira nature he doesn't really know why he's agreeing to do it he just knows the pattern needs him to do it Goes up to the border, fights for weeks without any support, gets to Maradon, is taking loss after loss after loss after loss after loss. And then Rand comes in and kind of just saves the day. And we kind of, that's the kind of the part that we remember. But at the same time, this is where we start to see a more strategic use of channelers. And especially when we get to the last battle, you get a, a more in-depth sort of analysis on it where they say, look, the other side has channelers too. We have to assume that the other side has everything we have. We can't just send an Ashaman into battle and tell them Ashaman kill and have it 
work. You guys are really, really great with squad tactics. And I would even suggest that as the Black Tower evolves, as it grows, as it learns, and as, it ex as its experience becomes greater, I would even suggest that Dedicated would then take place in those Ashaman Kill, Rolling Ring of Earth and Fire style battle formations. Ashaman would take place as, I don't know, officers, probably not officers, probably more like sergeants, platoon leaders, squad leaders, that kind of a thing, where you would have an Ashaman over a squad, platoon, or team of non-channelers that would add to the overall efficacy of that platoon and or squad and or fire team and or however they had that divided up but and then you know who knows a couple of squadrons of of channelers to band up and and launch the more devastating attacks as a group yeah i mean i could i could see that um I mean, it does. It starts to get into uh, some of the stuff we we talked about before. With you know, what does the Black Tower look like in its structure? Like you know, post last battle, you know, going into the Fourth Age and beyond. Um, you know, how are they going to do that? How are they going to reconcile that? Uh, and I do think they have to do something because I think uh, that's one of the things that Egwene uh, realizes uh, relatively. I don't want to say early on, but at an opportune time where it's like, if you don't realize it now, it won't ever be useful. That they have all of right. these accepted who are powerful and talented and have been trained and know the stuff that the White Towers essentially operated on this philosophy of if you're not an Aes Sedai, you, you kind of don't count. You're there, you're trained, you're taught. Otherwise, you don't count. You don't get a say. You don't go out and do anything. Right. Um, whereas the Black Tower has categorically been different uh, from the start. Like, okay, yeah, you each have your ranks and that's representative of, like, your skill level, presumably, and that kind of thing. But when it comes time to fight, you're all going. Soldier, dedicated, Ostrom. Right. In fact, the, the vet, like, the Ostrom made up a very few number of the, of the, the Black Tower troops that were with Rodel. Um, it was predominantly uh, like dedicated and soldiers with some Ashaman. Um, right. But, but yeah, I, th I think you're right that you'll have, they'll, they'll either be special purposed out and tasked with going in smaller, more like kind of clandestine groups as Ash full fledged Ashaman to take care of like more critical uh, functions of battle or more critical objectives. Um, and then you'll have some that are going to function as the battlefield leaders. Um, for sure, leading over I, dedicated. I can even that. see. I can even see where you have um. What what is it in Naruto? You've got like academy. Well, you've got like academy graduate, Gainin, and then Jonin, right? Uh, Gainin, Chunin, Jonin. Ch there it is, Gainin, Chunin, Jonin. So I can even see this as sort of mirroring that sort of uh, uh, format where you've got Gainin, who are the soldiers, who are basically, in all 
forms and purposes trainees. Um, the one difference I would say is that I wouldn't say that the soldiers would be the ones. I, I think they would be going out on missions, but they'd be much like lesser sort of things to do. I I, I feel like the, the soldiers would spend a lot more time inside the Black Tower walls until they graduate to the level of, level of dedicated, which would be in Naruto universe would be Chunin. Um, but as we know from, you know, in Naruto, the Ganon are going out on missions with Jonin escorts to learn to propagate their skills and whatnot. I would well, imagine soldiers well. would be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it, it's not... a. I would imagine in the Black Tower you'd have soldiers who are largely in, inside the Black Tower walls basically proving their worth, basically proving that they're competent with the power, competent with the sword, competent while unarmed, and also competent intellectually with that with that situational awareness. Um, once you reach the level of dedicated, now you're given some responsibility. Now you're to the point where, hey, you're dedicated. Act like it. We need you to, to accomplish this. And they may have Ashaman escorts, they may have Ashaman mentors, uh, Ashaman trainers, those kinds of things. But I feel like when you get to the level of dedicated, that's when you're going to start seeing more of the act. I'm talking later on in the Black Tower, right? Because um, as we know, when it comes to the Wheel of Time series as we know it, soldiers dedicated Ashaman doesn't matter. You have different roles, but you're all going into the fight. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree. I think it'll trickle down. Um, I think it'll a lot of it will be like based off the perceived importance and danger of whatever mission they're given. Um, and that will dictate like kind of which squads or, or whatever that they send out on the missions. But um, I could see it being a trickle-down thing where you have uh, squads or, or elements of soldiers that have a dedicated uh, leader um, a dedicated as their dedicated leader um, that kind of, you know, goes around with them and then an Ashman assigned to oh, uh, be the leader absolutely. of dedicated squads. And then you have the Ashman themselves that are all, like, considered fully trained and capable. And then, uh, just again, to use Naruto again, um, you have a split where you have, like, your Jonin-style people that are there for, like, a main battle force. They're a main, very perceivably skilled and, uh, and powerful battle force but also like the overarching instructors and mentors for the overall training and education. And then you have those that are Joni level that go on and get like extra specialized training um, to where they become perceivably stronger, uh, like the Anbu, because you have to reach uh, Joni level strength before you can join the Anbu Black Ops uh, in, in the Naruto universe. Um, and those are the ones you send on the clandestine missions. They're the ones that are like the behind the shadows, like secret service agents for the the, the, the Hokage and all that. Um, so they'd probably be like a group that would go around like whenever you had the Mahales that had to go do diplomacy missions or whatever. They'd have probably a group of Ashaman that would come with them and they'd probably have a tag-along group of like, you know, a, a dedicated squad or a soldier squad depending on what was appropriate for the situation to go and get worldly experience. Um 
I think the biggest problem they're going to have is going to be getting any kind of uh, the same problem that the Green Aja has, getting any kind of combat experience. Except now they'll actually be a good justification for why you don't have combat experience. Not just there was an opportunity and we never used it. I, I will never let that go. I will never let that go. <laughs> had fucking 3,000 years to post up in the borderlands and get actual battlefield experience but you didn't dude yeah no and then that that would have given well, the it, yellow and the, the, you could have gone with the yellow Aja, they could have got 3,000 years of medical first aid experience could you imagine the leaps and bounds of discovery that would have happened had they gone for 3,000 years and actually practiced battle? Who knows? Maybe Rand would have been like just a little bit of an aid. I doubt it, but... Or maybe that's why. Maybe it's well, plot reasons why even, they never did. I, I can see the Black Tower not doing it because... I mean, the Black Tower was founded at 759 on the midnight doomsday clock okay oh yeah um but the the white tower y'all have no excuses you should have had squadron the green aja should have had a representative at the white tower and all the other green sisters on the border uh the yellow aja should have had a representative at the white tower and all the yellow sisters in the borderlands. Like there's there's no excuse for how ill prepared the White Tower is. Yeah, I can agree to the yellow tower to like the yellow I should I uh being scattered around uh the Westlands. You know. That's kind of like a, I mean, a doctors without borders kind of thing. But the same effect. Same how? Effect. How? how how are you going to be a Did servant of all, but you don't ever try to go out and heal people? Come on. But sitting well, there, there was the occasional one, but but oh, I don't know. I mean, it could have been a thing that there was more, and that was just something that got cut or just didn't get explored, or well, we were meant to infer from like the two maybe that we saw, and one of which doses fuckers would fork root tea because they're loyal to Elida, so they're instantly out of the pot of like, oh, they're doing the right thing. But Dude, I don't know. I mean, what gets me about that is I, I think I think we're led to believe that uh, Balzaman Ishi in his like once every forty years or whatever, or his like forty years every four hundred, whatever it is, every thousand, forty years believe, every thousand years. Yeah, he's he's the responsible party for that. That would be my guess. He's laying foundations that planting seeds, as it were. But I as a laying foundation. As far as the Black Tower comes, whenever he lays a seed, laying foundations by laying pipe. Whenever he sows a seed, the seed is strong. I mean that that is a fair explanation. That like in between him and uh, and other legacy of the dark ones, they've infiltrated enough. Um. Enough of the White Tower, because uh, it is unfair and unrealistic to believe that there were no dark friends in the Tower prior to when you start seeing, like, you know, uh, Aganor and Balthamel, um, you know, in, in book one. Right. Like, oh, no, at that moment now, suddenly dark friends. Like, no, they've always existed. 
And it could have just been that influence where it's like, you know, finally convince the Aes Sedai because, you know, they're definitely afraid of losing any sort of influence. Like, well, if we spread ourselves too thin, mother, we will have no influence and they won't, right. the rulers won't listen to us. Right. But it actually would have been quite the opposite. Like, no, they'll be indebted because now everybody with herpesifagonicolitis after festivals in Abu Dhar and, <laughs> and, the, and, uh, and Eridomon just got healed by the yellow Asha. So... Do you want a global pandemic? Not sending out the yellow eyes is how you get a global pandemic. That's why we have COVID right now. Yeah. Where are it's... you, yellow Aja? You're sitting yeah. in your damn tower. <laughs> Sorry. There aren't enough Ashman healers. Yeah. Well, the, the, weave, the weave hasn't gotten FDA approval yet or an emergency youth authorization. <laughs> <by> <laughs> But any day, any day now. <laughs> <laughs> any day now, any day. Yeah. Oh, God. No, so when you get to the last battle, you'd start to see a more... Ooh, Cautionary a more force? Of, yeah. A more pragmatic use of all channelers, right? Because yeah. we know that the the forces of the shadow have dreadlords, but they they do focus less specifically on actual tactics of male channelers, and they go more to the story of what's happening, and that's fair. I I, I feel like <laughs> you and I would read it and be like, "Fuck yeah, what are the Ashman doing?" Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, as, as for readers in general, um, we want to know what's happening with everybody, not just the Black Tower. Which is why I state very passionately that we need a Wheel of Time Black Tower spinoff series. And if I don't get it, I will cry. So maybe maybe what we'll have to do is do another episode on this where we discuss future tactics of the Black Tower. So let us know in the comments below if you want more of us talking battle tactics of the Black Tower. Um, what are your final thoughts, Andrew, when it comes to tactics employed and or used by the Black Tower? Mm. I'm gonna lie. Uh, I am far more impressed with how they conduct themselves at Demise Wells uh, than I am at any of their other battles. However, every single one of their other battles is, by the end of it, more difficult than Demise Wells. Demise Wells was a single instance lasting 5, 10, 15 minutes. You show up, you blow your load, and you go home and go to bed. It's really easy to perform in that I situation. Mean, yeah. And Ender's um, game. You win yeah. in such a fashion that the enemy has no appetite to continue yeah. fighting. Um, and that specific instance, it, it caters very well or lends itself very well to the manner in which they were trained. Because I definitely see Mazram Taim focusing more on 
you should be so strong and skilled that you show up and within five minutes the battle is over because you overwhelm your enemies. That's what the Lord Dragon demands of you. JK, that's what I, the Mahale, demand of you. Um, because if you can if you can get people that are that strong and you can turn them all to your side, like uh, the, the rest of the Forsaken can kiss every last square freckle of your asshole. I don't know why I think there would be freckles on Time's asshole, but you never know. Um, I have it on a good source that there are at least <laughs> four freckles. He's <laughs> got three tantalizingly tainty freckles on his taint hole. And um, a couple on the taint as well. Yeah. But the rest of the battles are, are they're kind of against the mentality of the Black Hours training. They're they're not shock and awe battles. Uh, they're not won by shock and awe because we are here in the in the next one in Ilian. You're fighting against the Shan Chan, who use shock and awe tactics. So whenever they see people blowing oh, you know, up, uh, you know, yeah. sixty to hundred feet yeah. in the sky, they're like, "Oh, cool, we can do that too." Um, so it, it doesn't really. It's not as effective against the Shan Chan uh, morally because a big part of the way that. That the Black Tower defeat at the Shido at Demise <laughs> was a moral defeat. Um, destroyed their ability to fight. Oh, oh Matt Stagger. Go <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the Patreon if y'all want to see the live stuff that makes us laugh. Um, but yeah, the rest of their battles are, are they're true battles in the sense in the sense of battles and it is interesting to see how the initial formation uh, ideologies of the, the power of the Black Tower doesn't work uh, as well as I think a lot of them expected it would in the following battles. But that's how it goes. You know, a country develops a, a massive yeah. shock and all weapon that's super effective the first time it's used, and then it's never as effective the next time it's used. Like, nobody's going to be well, shocked whenever we like if we were yeah. to drop another mower. Sure. Nobody's going to be shocked. Sure. Sure. I, what about you? I have to say that I agree. I have to say that I agree in the sense that when it comes to shock and awe, it only works the first time. The second time, if you try and do the same thing, it's not going to be nearly as shocking. Unless it's the shocker. The shocker works every time. Um... I would equate Black Tower battle tactics to Tony Stark, okay? There's really great YouTube videos that talks about Tony Stark and the lessons he learned with his suit in each battle. And they talk about, um, you know, Ant-Man is able to crawl into the plates between, in, you know, the crack between his armor his armor isn't able to function in space. So what does he do? He goes to nanotechnology. Now nothing's able to crawl in, and he can use his suit in space. He fights Thanos. The nano weapons become melee weapons that he's able to fight Thanos with. But the nano nanobots are depleted, so he rebuilds the nanobots and is able to use like energy-style weapons, etc., etc., etc. The idea here being that the Black Tower, when they enter into a battle, they do a thing that works for them. Jumai's Wells. It works. It's great. It's amazing. They show up in Ilion and they're like, okay, it kind of worked, but we've got some lessons to learn. And as they continue forward, 
their understanding of a of a of a war fighting effort as opposed to a battle winning effort increases with each engagement uh it, it increases their ability their capability their understanding increases with each engagement and i feel like that's one of the reasons why we have such strong representation in the last battle and were we to have a fourth age story in the wheel of time i feel like the black tower would be one of the most respected entities for their role in vanquishing the shadow in the last battle and their continuing efforts to provide peace and security throughout the West while still operating within the dragon's peace. What? <laughs> peace and stability in my new empire. <laughs> <laughs> I also yes, want to right. see like um, a spinoff of a spinoff. Um, that Anakin, is like Sauron the Hill. The IL, uh, the IL channelers trained to be like the the Dragon's Peace Enforcers by the Black Tower, but it's like super troopers. Clone Wars meets super troopers through a filter of the Wheel of Time. Boom! Done. Yeah. I'm in. That's it. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being the best damn piece of the Black Tower podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed this uh, episode. We hope you have uh, enjoyed the flavor of this week's dose of taint. And we hope that wherever you are, you leave this episode just a little bit more insane than you were when you first arrived. Go to blacktarpod.com for all of our social medias. Check out our Patreon for sweet bennies. Check out our social media platforms. Subscribe to our YouTube. We got big things coming. We got big things coming to our YouTube. YouTube's going to blow up. We got the Gathering Madness coming for one. And you don't want to miss any of the panels or fun stuff we're going to be doing for that. Um, what well, he said, yeah. What else you got, Andrew? What else is there? There's more stuff. You want to get some nice, tasty energy? What I was drinking all day today with the cute little anime girl on it. Uh, look in the there's a link below in the description, or you can just go to w.gg and use code BTP for 10% off. Yeah, W order. True, uh, it's really good. Generalist energy, it has kept me awake all night after a day of work and no sleep the night before. Uh, so it definitely works. Um, in the right circumstances, more than we'll two scoops does not daddy. absolutely drive you crazy. <laughs> I, I've probably had the equivalent we'll have samples of three scoops. W at the Gathering Madness. Oh yeah, let me bring these inconspicuous containers full of white powder uh, on the plane. Hey, hey, I'm bringing I'm bringing Dub Sludge, and I'm bringing their new peach flavor. Is that the new exactly. new one? Like the brand no, new it's one? Not the new new the new new is it's not that new new it's not that new new it's only the new from all of us here at the black tower i have been your sorvan mahel josh uh i have been your bajan mahel andrew 
Oh, that hurt. And I'm sure if Daniel were here, he'd say something like, And I've been your Amon Mahal, Daniel. And we hope that wherever you are, you're having a good morning, evening, afternoon. I don't know. I can't say it. How does he say it? <laughs> Where we are, we hope you're having Whatever, a Daniel fantastic says. morning. And in case you don't see you again, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Trouble just fitting.